Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. Thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media. This episode, we're talking about the flu epidemic that's been sweeping across the country. That's right, Omar. This flu season is said to be the worst in nearly a decade. Nationwide, we've seen a number of pediatric deaths and thousands of people have been hospitalized since the start of the season on October 1st. We're going to be looking at the difference between the flu and the common cold, who's most at risk for contracting the flu, and what you, our listeners, need to know to keep yourself safe. Here to break it all down for us is Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, Deputy Commissioner for the Health Department here in New York City. Dr. D is in charge of the department's Division of Disease Control, so he oversees communicable diseases, sexual diseases, and immunization. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Dr. D, let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with what is, I think, a fairly simple question here. What is the flu, and is there a difference between the flu and the common cold? Well, yeah, there's a lot of differences. So the flu is caused by um, a certain kind of virus. There are a few sorts of viruses called influenza viruses that circulate. Um, The cold is caused by way more viruses. There's rhinovirus, adenovirus. There's a lot of viruses that can make you feel like you have what we call a cold. And usually a cold tends to be sort of upper respiratory stuff, like you have a little bit of a sniffle, you may feel a little tired, you're Mm -hmm. sneezing, you're coughing. The flu is an extreme version. So it tends Mm -hmm. to be high fever, muscle aches. Um, All of that upper respiratory stuff that I talked about, so sneezing and coughs, you really feel wiped out. And um, the other part is that colds generally don't cause, you know, large complications like pneumonia. They could, but usually not. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, other problems like hospitalization, et cetera. The flu can have those complications. And, you know, every year people die of the flu in the U.S. and in New York City. So it's a lot different than a cold. So what are the signs and symptoms? I know that some people say that when they have the flu, it feels like it hits them all at once and it doesn't come on gradually. Um, So can you uh, explain that to our listeners a little bit? Now, some people with the flu may have uh, very few symptoms. So that's one of the things to remember. And that's one of the best ways to sort of transmit the flu. So if you're feeling sick, like, and and you're not sure what it is, it's good to find out if you have the flu. So you can have like a milder form, but if you really have the flu, it tends to be misery. So you get um, really high levels of fatigue. It does sometimes hit you like a truck, you're feeling okay, then all of a sudden, boom, you're so tired, you can't move. Generally, colds don't really have fevers. They may have like a low temperature. Flu tends to have a high fever, and that's part of the reason that people feel so washed out. You can have um, stomach symptoms. Sometimes people have a little diarrhea, but mainly it's upper respiratory, and then just feeling like you just want to stay in bed, and that you are, you know, a second away from going to the emergency room because you feel so sick. I feel like I want to crawl back into bed right now just talking about it, to be quite honest (laughs) with you. Um, Now, it's a good idea for people to stay at home if they don't feel well. I know this is something that, you know, the city especially emphasizes to people. But I've also heard people say, oh, well, I'm not contagious, so I can't spread the virus. And I feel like that that's probably a rumor we need to squash. Yeah. No, there's there's actually pretty clear guidance as to what you should do if you have the flu. So if you have the flu and you have a fever, what you should do is stay home for 24 hours of fever-free time. Now, fever-free time does not mean 
I'm on NyQuil and Tylenol and Advil. And it means that I'm on nothing, okay. that I'm not on a fever reducer, and my fever is gone. After 24 hours of fever-free time, it's okay to come back to the world. And by, when you said don't go to work, don't go to social events. That's not the time for the parent-teacher meeting. Mm-hmm. Just stay home. Just stay home. It's a good way to spread, to spread the flu to folks who um, haven't been vaccinated. So is the 24-hour period of fever-free time, I like that, as you say, um, is that the most contagious period? What happens after the 24 hours? Yeah, no, just after 24 hours of having no fever, mm-hmm. you really aren't shedding virus anymore, so you're fine. It's oh. like any time before then, you could potentially shed virus. You can even shed virus before that truck hits you, before you feel really <laughs> sick. So that's one of the problems that comes up. So people are feeling okay, and they probably are shedding a little bit of flu virus, and then they get sick. Um, but the 24 hours just gives that cushion, and that's right. actually what the CDC says. So if you were to look on their website, they're going to tell you 24 hours of fever-free time without a fever reducer, so no Tylenol, Advil, things like that. Okay. Now, this season, we've seen a number of Americans who have contracted the flu, particularly children, and Mm -hmm. unfortunately, some have died because of the virus. So can you tell our listeners who's most at risk for contracting the flu? So everyone should get the flu shot, so that's number one. But the Mm. folks who are um, the highest risk for flu are the very young and folks who are um, over 65. Um, the recommendations are that everyone get the flu shot, but over 50s for sure. 65 is the cutoff where things sort of go downhill worse. Right. Where people can have pneumonia, inpatient hospitalizations, and all of that stuff. And then the very, very young. So kids who haven't seen a lot of flu viruses or flu vaccines in the past, if they meet one of these viruses, can get really sick. So really, we say if you're under a couple of years old, um, it's really important to think about the, uh, protecting yourself. We're having your parents protect you. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that's good advice for parents. I'm glad you brought up the flu shot. Yes. Because uh, that's My one of the topics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a controversial topic. I mean, a lot of people don't like to get the flu shot. Yeah. Yeah. And and there are people asking for a friend. <laughs> there are people who, who say they haven't gotten the flu shot. They've never gotten sick. On the flip side of that, there are people who say, oh, I got the flu shot. And immediately after, they felt sick. So what do you say to our listeners who are anti-flu shot? Well, this is what happens in my clinic every time I see patients this, uh, around this time of year. The same debate. So I get sick after the flu shot. Right. So you don't get sick from the flu shot. Right. So um, in, the, in, in a time of year where we have you know, many, many kinds of upper respiratory viruses flying around, mm-hmm. it's not impossible that you get the flu shot and soon thereafter you get one of these upper respiratory viruses and you feel sick. Mm-hmm. The flu is like a truck. It really hits you. Mm-hmm. So that I had a little sniffle. I felt a little tired after the flu shot. Probably not related to the flu shot. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that, um, you know, it's always an odds game whether or not you're going to get the flu. And the odds right now, because of a lot of circulating flu, is that your chances for getting the flu are pretty high. Right. So just because you didn't get the flu in past seasons that may have been a little quieter doesn't mean that you're not going to get the flu this time. Um, I got one more thing about the flu shot. People are really obsessed with the idea of how effective is the flu shot. And people right. quote numbers that right now are based on no data. So we have no data for the United States. Wow. It's too soon. We won't know until mid-February. You shouldn't wait for that data to find out if it's worth getting the shot because at that point, it's getting late in the season. Right. <clears throat> but the press is sometimes quoted that, that the vaccine this year is 10% effective. It's based on, on what happened in Australia, okay. which has nothing to do with what's happening with us. So um, I, I'll give the example. So in Australia, they said that there was a 10% uh, effectiveness of the, va- of the vaccine. In New Zealand, just a few miles away, the vaccine was highly effective. 
Wow. Mm. Right? It right. just depends on what virus lands and what mm -hmm. the strain does and how it sort of changes over time in the jurisdiction. Now, the other part about effectiveness, which I think is important to talk about, is that when they measure effectiveness, that means how good is the vaccine at preventing you from getting the flu period, right? right? That's perfect. You know, we'd love everyone to never get the flu. But the part that they don't talk about is that the vaccine protects you from pneumonia, hospitalization, and complications, and reduces the duration and severity of illness. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. measure that in effectiveness. So even if you do get the flu and you're um, and you have the vaccine. It might not be as, as Exactly. Bad. Wow. It may not be as bad. Mm. It may not last as long. You may not transmit as long. You will less likely be hospitalized and less likely to get pneumonia. So if you were a gambling person, odds in your favor, <laughs> something is better than zero, even if it's not perfect. Right. Mm. That's eye-opening. Yeah, absolutely. People never think about that piece. No, yeah. I, I think that we're so focused on should I get it, should I not get right. it? Well, it's not effective. Or I mean, I'm you know I'm somebody who I get the flu shot every year. Yeah, I, I always I always did. Um, but I know that there are a lot of people who don't, or people who have, and then shortly thereafter have gotten the flu. Um, my husband's actually one of those people. Um, but I mean, it was just we're sort calling of, him out. Sort of the <laughs> luck of the draw. I mean, listen, yeah. he, but he got the flu shot because I pretty much strong armed him into doing it. Right. So thanks for that, honey. Yeah, well, the other thing is, I always <laughs> I, I tell my patients all the time, like, do you get tetanus shots? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. When is the last time we saw a case of tetanus in New York? Right. Yeah, right. that's a right. good point. So like yeah. when people say, I don't take vaccines, it's like, well, you do for stuff that's really important to get vaccinated for, but are like exquisitely rare conditions versus this one that happens every year and that assuredly will sicken and, and potentially kill people every year. Mm. So there have been reports that the virus mutates. Is that true? So the flu virus is wiggly. It can do a couple of things. So there can be something that's called a shift, which mm -hmm. means that it remixes in another, another animal. So like- you know, bird virus, pig virus go together, they blend together and a new virus pops up and it's a pandemic. That's not what's happening. Okay. This is not a new kind of flu virus. The flu virus circulating, the H3N2, is one that we've seen before. But what the flu the flu virus can do is something else called, it can do something called a drift. So it can change subtly. We don't know if that's happening yet, but when you have drift, you can have mismatch between the vaccine and the, uh, and the circulating virus. We're going to know more about that when we have data about vaccine efficacy or effectiveness in, in a, a few weeks. The other thing that can happen with the strain is that when it passes through eggs, P.S., egg allergy is not a contraindication to flu shot. Um, at, when it passes through eggs mm -hmm. to get, get developed into the vaccine, sometimes that process causes the uh, vaccine virus to mutate a little bit. And what happens is the match may not be 100% perfect. So H3N2 can do that. So. Wow. We have a, a couple of things um, that may that may indicate that that um, the flu vaccine may have, you know, around the same efficacy or effectiveness of last year. We won't know for sure. But bottom line is it's your first line of defense, both from the perspective of flu and also its complications. Wow. So we're also told, you know, to be mindful. Don't touch certain things. Don't touch the doorknobs. Um, you know, should I be wearing, you know, like gloves when I'm touching the coffee maker here at work or are there like you know, conduits yes. of the virus that like we should know about? So I don't think you need a Tyvek suit to walk around in the subway. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool. People would think that that's, you know, that, that's the way to, be cool. that's the way to get a seat yeah. for sure. But you don't, need, <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, really it's, 
Um, you know, just like you're talking about, like there are there there are sort of vec- the fomites, which are like solid things, like inanimate objects that that flu can live on, and you can just sort of pick it up. So you know, the real answer is hand hygiene. Mm-hmm. I walk around with my little bottle of alcohol hand sanitizer. <laughs> I use it compulsively. My hands are a little dry. I'm not super happy about it, but it's the best strategy. Mm-hmm. It's the best you can do. I wouldn't cover yourself in 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 Tyvek suits or or in, in latex gloves or stuff. I think it's you know live your life but uh but just sort of have attention to hand hygiene like wash your hands which i still don't understand how people don't do that but that's yeah. a different topic for a different podcast yeah wash your hands. Washing their hands totally wash your hands use alcohol ha- alcohol based hand sanitizer it's the best we've got i'm gonna walk around like the bubble boy like, <laughs> like he was episode. talking about this, like yeah. i said it's a great way it's a great way to get a seat on the subway <laughs> <laughs> How does a doctor first diagnose and then treat the flu? And, I, and you kind of touched on uh-huh. this uh, a little earlier. Well, it's kind of complicated mm-hmm. because a lot of people who come in with flu symptoms may never actually get a real diagnosis. Mm. The doctor or other healthcare provider who sees them can, will say fever in flu season with muscle aches and pains and like sniffles sounds like the flu. Right. And then they'll just treat them. That's not the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The, the really the gold standard way of testing for the flu is by taking a nasal swab and sending it for a flu test. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, you know, a couple of different flu tests are out there. Some are rapid. Some are, are molecular tests where they do like they amplify the 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 um, genetic material of the flu shot. Mm-hmm. Of the, sorry, of the flu of the flu virus. Um, and if you see, you find it, the answer is yes. Now, if you don't find it and they sound like they have the flu, they may still have the flu. Because mm-hmm. there's always like every test is not infallible. So, you know, what people are doing is I think for the most part, if they can swab, they do swab. And that's how you diagnose it. But the clinical diagnosis of flu is also OK. How long does that flu swab take? So there's that some that are rapid point of care tests that can be like in about 20 minutes or others oh, wow. that take a couple of hours. OK. Um, okay. You know, I, I just diagnosed someone with flu in my clinic and I got the answer back in about three and a half hours. OK. Oh, wow. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. But so, I treated him. Because that's the right thing to do. Right. Yes. Don't wait. Don't wait. So yes. if, if you think you have the flu, your your provider should treat you. No, I think that's absolutely important. Um, I mean, and we even see this now that um, Governor Cuomo declared a public health emergency for New York State, signing an executive order that allows pharmacists to administer flu vaccinations to minors between the ages of 2 and 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does this executive order impact our efforts here in the city to combat flu season? Well, we love it. We're really glad that this order happened because we think the pharmacists are really uh, a first line of defense from the perspective of, mm-hmm. of people getting vaccines. Um, you know, there are not a lot of vaccines they're allowed to give under their scope of work, but this right. is a great sort of uh, flu vaccination has really increased since pharmacies have been able to do it. And so this just provides another place for um, kids to get vaccinated. And kids are like a great reservoir of influenza. So if we can sort of vaccinate that crew, it's good for their <laughs> health and also good for preventing transmission. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a slam dunk. We're really happy that it's happened and, you know, are, are happy that our pharmacy colleagues are going to be working to, to protect New Yorkers. What are the latest numbers that you're seeing uh, I don't know if you may have this. I don't, and I think you actually don't because you mentioned that uh, the tests aren't. I can give you something. You can give it, okay. Oh, for uh. sure. So um, I'll start with the state. So though okay. I, okay. I, I'm going to speak for the state because that's that's sort of an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. So we measure things a little differently. Okay. So the state counts cases, and we count um, 
use of the medical system for influenza-like illness, as well as swab positivity. So I'll talk about swab positivity in a second. So um, New York State is seeing a lot of flu. Um, they're saying that hospitalization um, is increasing. I think last week was one of the biggest weeks they've ever seen for flu-related related hospitalizations in the history of measuring. Wow. Now, that also is because their reporting is better. So right. they're getting more information. And so the better the reporting is, the more you hear about what's going on. So at least partially it's that, but let's not pretend it's also because there's flu around right. and people are getting sick. So the New York state's saying that, that that's happening, that there's increased hospitalization. What we're seeing in New York city, we look at percentage of flu swabs that are positive. And so what that means is if they order 3,000 or 10 flu swabs, however many, mm -hmm. like if, if we have influenza activity, that percentage goes up, right? right? So if like five swabs are ordered and all five are positive, there's flu activity. Right. right. So the percentage, you know, no matter what, no matter what the testing trends are in the city, we see what the trend is from the perspective of percentage positivity. Last week, last surveillance week, it was 30%. That's a lot of flu. So we're seeing a lot of activity. Our influenza-like illness um, <clears throat> utilization of the healthcare system is also up a little bit higher than last year. So all the indicators, they're using different methods to figure it out, say flu is up, get your flu shot, and if you're sick, get treated. Mm -hmm. When's flu season? Uh, because I, mm. I know that some people are kind of confused as to when it is, and, and sure. some people think that we should have passed the peak season by now. Mm -mm. So when is the season? So, I mean, seasons peak uh, in variable ways. Right. They're usually like a couple of, of humps in the in the flu season. Mm -hmm. So we have an early peak that tends to happen, you know, January, February, and then okay. another one that happens a little bit later toward the beginning of the spring where we have some more flu B. So this is like a little bit of an early peak and it's we haven't really seen the, the end of the end's not in sight yet. So we have more to go, we think, given what the trend is. So like the season can usually start around, you know, October and tends to go through like March-ish. Mm -hmm. And we recommend for people going back to the flu shot that they get the flu shot before October, before the season begins. So the one time I've ever gotten the flu personally, I had gotten the flu shot and I was late in the season. <clears throat> Since then, when I hear the flu shots available, I line up for it. Right. Um, and so sometimes you hear about it coming out in August or September. The earlier, the better, because you know it takes about two weeks for the for immunity to be to kick in. Right. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, even if you're worried about that or thinking about you know playing your odds, still get the flu shot now because we still have some flu season to go through. We're not done yet. So yeah, I would say the earlier the better, but it's never too late. So that's the perfect answer. <laughs> it is the perfect answer. <laughs> it is great. Um, so we were talking about, you know, the strain of the virus that's out there, yeah. H3N2. Yep. Um, can you explain, like, why um, this strain has been so deadly? Like, what makes it so deadly? Because we keep hearing about this in, like, media reports. And yeah. It's been responsible for, um, you know, a lot of, you know, illnesses, hospitalizations, and deaths, you know, over the years. Yeah, when we see this, the strain, it tends to be associated with the worst flu season in mm -hmm. general. So right. I don't know if there's a, you know, basic scientific answer as to what about the virus makes it worse, but we know from our epidemiology that definitely when it circulates, people can get worse. I can make up some stories. You can imagine, <laughs> you can imagine that there's something about, about the, the virus that's more inflammatory that potentially can make people iller, but I don't think that there's one specific thing I can point to to answer that H3, because of this molecule, does this. So it's it's really that we know that when this circulates, batten down the hatches. We tend to have a worse flu season. Right. 
No, and I think that that's important to know because I think people hear flu, they don't understand that there are different strains that are mm -hmm. out there that, you know, okay, if this is the strain that's more prevalent, then this is where we have to, you know, get on the defenses and get that flu shot. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you think that um, the start of school after Christmas and New Year's Eve may have contributed to increased cases? Because I, I know there were reports that uh, medical professionals thought that that week, Christmas through New Year's, was the actually peak. the peak. Yeah, mm -hmm. And now it seems that cases are increasing. So school have anything to do with it? I don't know the answer to that. I could imagine a story that you could make that up that it could work. Right. If you have like a lot of uh, um, kids with sort of like not super symptomatic disease who mm -hmm. are roaming around school, that you could do that. But I, I don't have a slam dunk answer for that. I mean, I just think that the hard, the confounding feature is that this is the flu virus that we know has like a more sort of interesting course for a flu season. So I think the answer is in typical scientific medical style, there's lots of factors that are feeding into the answer. So I'm not, I can't tease one out, but it's an interesting theory. Gotcha. So it does speak for vaccinating kids, right? Right. <clears throat> because like the best way to prevent flu from circulating is from no one to ever get it. That's sort of that herd immunity idea mm -hmm. that if you have people who are, if, if, enough people are vaccinated against the flu and that there's enough effectiveness in the virus in the vaccine, then you won't have ongoing forward transmission. Mm -hmm. So the more folks vaccinated, the better it is for everybody. It's good for personal and public health. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So um, I know we kind of touched upon this, but quick tips to stay safe this flu season. Yeah. I know get a flu shot, get a flu shot, get a flu shot. Did I say that enough? <laughs> and get wash a, your hands. Wait, get a flu shot? You can say it I one heard more time. Before. Get a flu <laughs> shot. That sounds great. Yeah, so definitely I think that 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 there's you know, preemptive and then what happens if you get sick? Mm -hmm. So preemptive is flu shot, flu shot, flu shot. We can't say it enough. Don't don't worry about it. But it's going to be 30, 40, 50, 60 percent effective because remember, even if it is not effective in preventing the flu, it prevents all the really terrible things that happen if you get the flu. Mm -hmm. So that's an important thing to think about. <clears throat> the second thing is hand hygiene is a, is a strategy. It's mm -hmm. not as good as a flu shot, um, but definitely use that in association with the flu shot. So layer levels of prevention on yourself. And then finally, if you're sick, seek out care because the, and you know, seek it out pretty quickly because you can start antiviral medicines and they uh, prevent you from getting sicker and also prevent some of the, the uglier complications of the flu. Gotcha. Dr. D with some extremely informative and effective and practical uh, information for all of our listeners for this flu season. Thank you very much for being here with us. Anything else that you would like to add? No. Thank you for having me. That was fun. All Get right. your flu shot. <laughs> for our listeners, you could visit nyc.gov health or call 311 for more information on the flu. That's this edition of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.